Messi. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Bola Bola Show. So on Monday, 19th of January, JDT have announced their newest signing, Jonathan Herrera, 29-year-old striker from Argentina. The JDT-Argentina football connection is somewhat a unique relationship in Malaysian football. In total so far, there have been around 14 Argentine football players who have won the red and blue Southern Tigers jersey since 2013. Now, the per- now there are some pertinent questions in everyone's mind. Who is Jonathan Herrera? What sort of qualities does he bring to the table? Or what kind of role does he play for this team? So to help us try un- to answer these questions, all the way from Buenos Aires, we have Peter Coates of Golazo Argentino as a guest on the Bola Bola show today. So without further ado, with that said, let's head straight into the discussion with Peter alongside our co-host, Stephen John. Enjoy and thank you guys. And here we are in the Bola Bola Show podcast. And of course, as you all know, we have Jonathan Herrera has just signed for Johor Darul Takzim, uh, adding a list to another Argentine footballer to play for the club. But, you know, to tell us a little bit more about this place background, we have someone all the way from Buenos Aires. So the Bola Bola Show would like to welcome Peter Coates of Colazo Argentino. Welcome, Peter. Thanks, Sivan. It's a pleasure to be here joining you uh, to talk about Herrera's move. Okay. Uh, maybe for the benefit of the listener, uh, maybe you'd like to share a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I mean, um, as you say, I'm here in Buenos Aires. Um, I came here some years ago, uh, initially teaching English. And then when I was writing about football, just one, one thing led to another and ended up uh, <laughs> yeah, covering Argentinian football from here. So, um, yeah, as you said, Golasso well, Argentino is my, my Twitter and most of the stuff that I, that I do can be found there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And of course, with someone else like yourself who knows a bit of well about the Argentine Football League, perhaps, you know, maybe our listeners would like to know something about Jonathan Herrera's background, by the way. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting uh, signing because Herrera more, really in, in general is, is more of a sort of lower league icon in Argentina. Um, very little experience in Argentina's top flight. Um, he came through at a very small club called Centro Español at the time playing in the Primera D, which is Argentina's fifth tier, um, but very quickly became a, a regular goal scorer for that club. And then in 2013, made the, the sideways move within the same division to Deportivo Riestra. Um, and is there really where Herrera's career took off because with Riestra, um, his goals prolific in his first season, fired them to the title. And then at Riestra, 
led them all the way from the Primera D all the way up to the Primera B Nacional, the, the one just below the top flight. So a really great few years with that club. Um, as I say, prolific. He scored over 100 goals for them. Um, and f- after that, we saw the beginning of him starting to move because he had some loans away, one in Venezuela with Atletico Venezuela um, and another one back in Argentina with Ferro, um, where, again, he ended up as the top goal scorer, but this time in the Primera Nacional. Um, a less successful loan in Chile, Um before returning to Riestra and then getting his move finally to the top flight in Argentina. But again, with a very small club, Central Córdoba um, hadn't been in the top flight for almost 50 years. Um, a very small club from the north of Argentina um, in Santiago del Estero. Uh, and Herrera went there as their main, as their main striker. And you know, they, they finished, I think, 18th in a 2014 top flight. Uh, Herrera was the club's top goal scorer that season with six. And they also reached the final of the Copa Argentina and they lost to River Plate in the final. But I think Herrera impressed during that season um, with Central Acorda. As I say, the expectations for a team of that size um, are pretty low. So they weren't expected to, to do a huge amount when they're facing off every week against the likes of Boca, River, etc. Um, but with, with his presence, sort of physical uh, striker, I think teams thought maybe there was, there was something there. And then he got what would have been, I guess, his big break when San Lorenzo signed him. So to move to one of the big five in, in Buenos Aires is a, is a dream really for any team, any player coming up with his kind of career path. Um, it didn't really work out. He barely had a look in at San Lorenzo, but that brings us up to date. And I, and I think um, the move to Malaysia is, is, is one which comes at a time when Herrera is still at a good age. Um, and as I say, has been really prolific outside the top flight in Argentina. Mm-hmm, okay. And in terms of his playing style, or you know, how would you describe that? You know, anything interesting about his uh, skills, traits, or whatsoever? Yeah, I mean, as I say, he's not particularly tall, but he's he's strong on the ball. He, he, he's quite good with his back to goal um, in terms of linking up the play and bringing others in. Um, he isn't the quickest player. I mean, he's one of those strikers who perhaps there isn't anything, any one thing that stands out he's not exceptional I suppose at any one thing um, which is probably why he hasn't gone on to have a, a great career in, in Argentina's top flight but um, I think he does quite a lot of things pretty well um, so as I say he's pretty strong he's not the slowest he's a decent finisher um, if he gets the service and he makes a use of himself I think one thing he showed at Central Cordoba even if there wasn't a huge amount of goals was that he made life difficult for defenders and um, whether that's buffering into them physically or, or just pull, trying to pull them out of position with sort of diagonal runs, um, he caused problems and he made other teams think. So um, they were more his kind of characteristics as we saw um, in the last few years. Mm-hmm, okay. And, uh, you know, is there any particular name that you, you mean it comes to your mind that he can be compared to? Yeah, I mean, that's a difficult one because, as I say, someone who's come up through the lower leagues. Um, so with that in mind, 
you know, I was talking to um, Tom Robinson from the Glasgow podcast as well about about the same player. Mm-hmm. Um, he he thought of a fairly good one in, in Billy Sharp, um, in that kind of striker that's maybe not outstanding, um, but it is is quite a good all rounder and and has excelled in the in the lower league. So he's maybe that kind of uh, of striker. Okay, all right. And okay, as based on his playing style, I mean, what would be the most suitable approach for any team to get the best out of him? Yeah, I mean, I think the key will be to, as I said before, to to get him service. So to have players around him. Um, so I think either a four four two or a four two three one. But there needs to be someone who can can either play alongside or just off Herrera. Um, and ideally, I think with with the wide players also who can get balls into the box. For him to work with, um, I don't think necessarily he's going to be someone that can can make something out of nothing. Um, so you don't really want to isolate him. But I think if if his new team can can get those players around him um, and have them work off some of his his work with his back to goal, then he could have some success. Mm-hmm. All right, because as you mentioned, he seems to have a very unique record of being top scorer in every level in Argentina except in the Primera División. I mean, any reason why he hasn't really had that breakthrough season at top flight level? Yeah, I mean, I think in, in his defence, um, he hasn't had that many chances. I mean, as I said, his only real experience in the top flight in Argentina was just that one season with Central Córdoba. Um, as I said, they were the smallest club in the league. Um, they weren't really even expected to, to get to that position. You know, I, I think... The effort expanding the top flight um, has always has made it easier in recent years for for smaller teams. I think to, to reach that level, um, Central Córdoba certainly one of them. Um, and, and so the expectations are not high, and and also that the opportunities playing as a as a centre forward aren't that high because they spend a lot of the time on the back foot. Um, but he st- he still did enough to attract the interest of a club as big as San Lorenzo. Um, that in theory, I think should have been the move to, to give him a chance at having what you call as a breakthrough season in the top flight. But um, that in itself didn't work out. You know, the chances just didn't come. He spent much of it just on the bench or not even in the squad. Um, San Lorenzo obviously have quite a strong squad or certainly better options than Central Córdoba. And they themselves, um, in recent years, in the last few seasons have been chopping and changing with managers and, and things haven't been particularly smooth um, off the field for San Lorenzo. So it wasn't really the ideal club maybe for someone trying to make their way. Um, so I, I think, I guess it's a mix of, of that, of like in, in not really getting what you'd consider a really good chance that, to make it in the top flight. Um, uh, you know, and maybe at his age, you, you, you'd begin to question, OK, well, well, maybe he's just not quite at that level to have what you'd call a breakthrough season in Argentina's top flight. It hasn't stopped him having a, a great career um, at the level below that. Um, but, but I think it's a mix of those two things. Mm-hmm. Okay. And of course, you know, having tested every single level in Argentinian football, and I, I guess the next logical possible move for any player is to move abroad. And in his case, of course, he moved outside of South America, coming to Malaysia. Um, do you foresee, you know, this could be a big challenge for him? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always a bit of an unknown for any player leaving South America. I mean, there's lots of examples, not just from Argentina, from, mm-hmm. from across the continent of, 
of some players that seem to, to click when they go to another country and others that just really seem to lose their way and, and they don't really integrate into into the new culture, into the new way of life and end up really wasting the, the time, the opportunity they had. Um, without knowing a great deal about Herrera off the pitch um, and his personality, it's a little difficult to be able to say one way or the other. But um, obviously that the challenges, the immediate challenges will be the same for anyone in terms of those ones I just mentioned, a culture very different to, to Argentina um, and one which you'd hope as you would with any player, that he'll embrace it and and, uh, and, and try and make the most of the opportunity. Um, as I said before, he's had two moves previously in his career um, abroad. He had a brief, two fairly brief spells, one in Venezuela, where, where he did pretty well. He, I mean, he scored a few goals during that time with Atletico Venezuela. Um, the spell in Chile wasn't so successful, um, but certainly when you consider... Argentina to Chile or Argentina even to Venezuela it's certainly a, a much bigger move or a big bigger challenge to move now from Argentina to Malaysia so it will, will be very interesting to see um, how he settles and how he gets on mm-hmm. and of course you know I, I suppose JDT isn't strange to I, I suppose they're not that strange to uh, anyone who follows uh, Argentinian football knowing the fact that Pablo Aymar had a short stint with them and then you had Lucho Figueroa who had an outstanding time with that club. I mean, how much do you know about them? Yeah, I mean, uh, they're one of the few Malaysian clubs that I, that I do know of. Um, and I would probably credit uh, Aymar and Figueroa for that, um, predominantly. I mean, yeah, I, mean, I don't know a huge amount. I know that they've been kind of the dominant team um, in recent years. Um, but obviously with the limited amount of um, Malaysian football that you're able to to see. Um, I haven't been able to really keep any kind of track on, on the league. So, um, yeah, myself, like most people, I think in Argentina, will have um, very little knowledge of the league, of the teams. And as you say, the, maybe the only knowledge for a lot of people will be Aymar's short stint towards the end of his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. When you know, when Pablo Aima made that announcement, when the announcement came out, it was a, a bit shockwave for all of us here. Uh, I was getting text messages from fans of Argentina everywhere asking me, you know, how true is this move? Is I say, yeah, he is coming. Um, <laughs> okay, just to touch a little bit about uh, the Argentina national team. What's your take on Lionel Scaloni so far? I mean, how much do you think that the team has improved over the last few years? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think. However underwhelming the, the initial appointment is, and, and, and undoubtedly, the, the, I think the rationale for the AFA or the, the huge benefit behind Scaloni is just the fact that he was available and, and cheap. Um, but with that being said, I think things have been pretty positive. It couldn't have been much lower, I think, um, after the 2018 World Cup and the disaster that ended up being Jorge Sampaoli's Reign in charge, um, and I think since then, and the, the the kind of changing of the guard in a lot of ways. Obviously, Lionel Messi is still the figurehead of that side, but I think Scaloni's done a pretty good job of bringing through a lot of new faces. And I think when you look at how the team have been playing over the last year or so, they seem to be in a, in a pretty good position to to take on what is, of course, the most difficult World Cup qualifying region. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the midfield I think is a lot better now than it than it has been for for a number of years. There's a balance there, um, and although there's there's still some very old questions that have lingered over the defence, I think there's some good players coming through. Which hopefully Scaloni, who hasn't been afraid to to throw a lot of new players their their debuts, will start to take a look at some of them a bit closer. And so I think that there's the the framework there of a, of a a decent Argentina side, even if it's not one that will go to the World Cup in 2022, anywhere near favourites. But it's um, a very united group, which again, I would credit Scaloni for. There seems to be a good spirit there. Um, and I think things are certainly more positive than they were a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I look at this current team now. It's the, uh, the fluidity, the, the, the performance is a lot more... Uh, comfort to look at compared to what it was under Sampaoli. I mean, you just never knew what was happening at that time. But now there seems to be a bit of stability in the team. And mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, what's your take on now that all these former players like Mascherano, Aima, everyone is joining in the coaching ranks? I mean, do you think this is a good way of, uh, you know, for the next generation to learn something? Yeah, I do. And I, and I think it's been an it's been an improvement in Argentina in general. I think to get some of these younger players that have experienced um, some of the best coaches, either in South America or, or certainly in Europe, who are now embarking on their own coaching because I think it's bringing uh, some new ideas um, and bringing Argentinian football slightly more into the, the modern world. Um, you know, when you look at the, what Marcelo Gallardo's done at River, um, I think he's undoubtedly over the last six years or however long, being probably the, the standout coach in South America. That seems only a matter of time before he gets that chance in Europe. And, and I think there's a number of good young coaches now coming through. And as you say, a lot of them from that, from that group, from the same generation of Argentina internationals, Gago now getting his first opportunity mm-hmm. at yep. Aldo Civi as well. Um, and I think it, on the whole, it, it looks positive. Obviously not all of them, just by the law of averages, they're going to work out to be a great coach. But I think, as I say, given their experiences and some of the great coaches that they've worked under, um, you'd hope that from that group, there'll, there'll be another couple at least of, of top, top um, coaches to come through. Mm-hmm. Of course, I think I, I would say Gabriel Hinze is, is sort of the leader of that pack. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, as I said last month or however long ago it was when, when Atlanta announced that uh, Einstein was their new manager, that it was a massive coup. For me, uh, one of the best coaches in, in Argentina over the last couple of years, the work that he did um, with Argentina's juniors, bringing them up back up to the top division, and then certainly at Belez taking over a team that was, that was struggling at the time and, and taking them to back into Commonwealth competition. Um, there or thereabouts in terms of the top four or five in the league, and, and leaving them there in that position. So for me, he's he's another one you certainly look at with a very bright future. Um, and I think it's a real benefit to MLS um, and Atlanta, certainly. They can get a coach like Einstein, even if it is just for a couple of years. And then I would assume Einstein will be another one that we see um, in Europe sooner rather than later. Okay. I'm re- I really look forward to seeing him in coaching in Europe one day. Okay, uh, Peter. I mean... Uh... For the benefit of our listeners, you know, where I mean, where can they find you in terms of uh, your work with Argentinian football? Yeah, I mean, as well, I think most most of the stuff I do is on is on Twitter. So if you go to at uh, Golazo Argentino, um, 
you'll you'll find me there and, and anything that I write for other stuff usually gets linked on there. So that's all you need to know. Okay. I will definitely put a link in, on, on your Twitter account and your website in our description. Okay. Thank you so much, Peter, for taking your time to talk to us. Uh, it's really been uh, very knowledgeable for me to understand a little bit more about Jonathan Herrera and what can we expect out of him in Malaysia. Thank you so much again. No, pleasure. Okay. So that's it. We will end this segment. Thank you so much. So there you have it, folks. Some description on Jonathan Herrera from our friend in Buenos Aires. Now, we need to understand a few things here. Number one, Herrera is filling a big shoes that has been left by Diogo. And that is no easy feat. Diogo has been a vital cog in GDT's attack over the last couple of seasons. So on that basis, you can just imagine how enormous the task is for him. But on a positive note, I believe the signs are good for Herrera to succeed at GDT. As you know, in terms of his playing style, well, he's not entirely an out-and-out striker, but he does have some quality finishing, provided if he gets the right kind of assistance, which in my opinion will not be an issue considering when you have the likes of Safawi and Cabrera playing alongside you. When you have those type of players around you, supply will definitely come in abundance. So Herrera's job is just to make sure that he needs to put the ball into the net consistently. If he gets that done, one problem solved. Also, because of uh, somewhat of his physical presence, he could also make life difficult for opposing defenders, which I believe is another quality that JDT was very keen on and felt that he was a better fit for the team. If you look at the dynamics of uh, JDT style and play, players are expected to do a lot more than just confine to their main role. So in my view, you know, looking at the good traits which I've mentioned uh, earlier, Herrera does have the complete package to be a success story in GDT. But of course, you know, for a player like Herrera, perhaps the biggest challenge apart from settling into his new team would be adapting to a, you know, a whole new environment. He only has a handful of experience playing abroad, which is mainly in Venezuela and Chile. So in terms of you think of like language barrier, culture, you know, it's not that far off when compared to, let's say, Argentina. But at JDT, with the presence of fellow Argentinians such as uh, Gonzalo Cabrera, Leandro Velasquez, and uh, not to forget, you also have a handful of uh, Spanish-speaking personnel in the coaching staff. I believe, in more or less, he should be made to feel at home. Of course, when signing an import player, there is always that hit-and-miss scenario. Even JDT have experienced this in the past, despite of their exceptional scouting resources. The few names I can think of that comes to my mind was Geronimo Borales and uh, Harry Novillo. Um, but of course, you know, when, when, when you think of JDT, the amount of work they put into identifying their new recruits for their squad, I truly believe there is a lot positive com compared to negative when it comes to a signing like Jonathan Herrera. So with that said, um, I don't know. Let's just, I can't wait to see what Herrera is going to offer for us on the field. Uh, I'm just looking forward to the new Malaysian Super League season. Of course, we don't know if we will have a season or not because it's depending on the pandemic situation that we all are going through right now. But let's hope for the best and you know, hopefully there will be a happy ending at the end of this tunnel. Anyway, with that said, we'll just end this episode of the Bola Bola Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Thanks for listening and goodbye. <music>